Welcome to the 413th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome and thank you for listening. I asked last week for some people to chime in and see how long they were listening and where they were from and I had a very pleasant surprise at the number of people that responded. Um, I'm keeping a tab for uh, future podcasts when we hit a million, but um, we're, we're doing really good. Um, shout out to Lori Stevens. I believe that I actually met Lori at a, a conference several years ago. She's a registered dietitian, and her daughter actually uh, is in her residency, and they're plant-based, and the whole family's becoming plant-based, and Lori has a website I'll, I'll link. Shout out to Leo Abbott. Leo's been a long-time listener. He said about one and a half years. Um, interesting, his daughter is a, a resident in pediatrics, and they have had open discussions about the obesity in children, and he's hoping that she can implement some of this knowledge and plant-based nutrition into her practice one day. I also heard from Ingrid Mondarisi. I may have butchered that last name, but uh, I've seen Ingrid on Instagram, but she's been a down a long-time listener from Rock Hill, South Carolina. So we've got a lot of people all over the place uh, that are chiming in. I'll continue to do some shout-outs over the next uh, several weeks. Well, back to nutrition I also have to give a shout out to a um, friend and a member of the practice named Mark Formica. Um, I actually mentioned Linda Formica in the last week's show for sending me the video of the 96 German gymnast. Mark, on the other hand, is not plant-based. Um, he supports his wife who's plant-based, but he has not been plant-based. He doesn't throw plant-based people under the breast, but one thing Mark does is he uses vitamin C on a regular basis. And over the years, especially before COVID, I used to poo-poo him. Uh, he would eat what he wanted and took pretty high doses of vitamin C. And he's remained pretty healthy um, despite, um, you know, following new alternatives, uh, nutritional practices for the most part, um, and doesn't seem to get colds very often. And, you know, but to give him his kudos, you know, maybe vitamin C is helping. Well, when COVID started coming around, obviously, obviously most of you know that a lot of protocols came out with high-dose vitamin C. And actually, when I had COVID, pretty much in the beginning, it was that first Christmas that, uh, you know, when COVID started to, to come around, um, I read a book about vitamin C and, and became very intrigued with high-dose vitamin C because most studies uh, in the medical community use low-dose vitamin C. The recommended daily dose is 80 milligrams, 80 to 100 milligrams to prevent scurvy. That's what we're taught in medical school. Most um, studies in the hospitals looking at infectious disease or even COVID use somewhere around, you know, 500 to 1,000 milligrams, which is not near enough. It's more, of a, it's more of an RDA versus a therapeutic dose. But therapeutic doses, um, you know, range from any place from 8 to 20 grams a day. Um, and the limiting factor for vitamin D ingestion is diarrhea. The use of liposomal vitamin D helps you to absorb it uh, a little bit easier and you can end up taking more. And so when I actually had COVID way back when, I was taking a 1,600 milligram liposomal vitamin C about every hour that I was awake. 
and I do believe that it that it helped. But again, that's an anecdotal um, review of you know uh, vitamin C. But anyway, I have recommended over the last two and a half years to my patients when they become ill, either with COVID or flu or anything, is to take vitamin C every hour while you're awake uh, until you're better, and then continue it. And uh, in some further research on vitamin C. You know, it's protective for your skin. Um, it's protective against skin cancers. Uh, it's helpful for the collagen. Uh, we know it's an antioxidant. Um, and actually, it's a pro-oxidant at very, very high doses and it has some anti-cancer properties. So there's a lot of different uses. And of course, because it's so cheap, um, you know, it's, it's largely ignored in the medical community. But there was a study published um, in the Journal of the Future medicine um, recently that looked at what vitamin C does to the gut microbiome. And it looked, it was a really small study, but it looked at the, the bacteria in the gut of, uh, I believe it was 23 patients, and they range from age 5 to 80. Um, they all had underlying medical conditions, and they were given somewhere around 8 to 12 grams, actually 8 to 20 grams of vitamin C a day um, for their various conditions. And so they actually measured uh, or they took a look at the um, diversity of their gut microbiome before they started it and then afterwards. And uh, it was for a various uh, duration uh, that they followed it. The subjects had been taking vitamin C any place from one week to seven months um, is when they, they, they took a baseline sample and then they would repeat it when they were finished. And what they found was uh, an improvement in good gut bacteria. And when I say good gut bacteria, we know that the, bif the bifidobacteria um, are a good bacteria that are helpful uh, in immune conditions. Um, and there was an overall improvement in good gut biodiversity in these people. Now, it was a very small study, but what they you know, were able to deduce and link is that vitamin C has an effect on the gut microbiome, but also it gives more credence to the fact that your control tower for your immune function is in the gut. So what you eat uh, affects your gut microbiome and hence your immune function. They've also linked it to vitamin D, um, and vitamin D also affects the gut microbiome. So there's a couple different ways that, you know, vitamins that we thought vitamin D typically is promoted as bone health, and it's, you know, not had a great success rate in some of the studies there. Vitamin C, again, prevents scurvy, you know, just the basic daily dose, get your orange, eat an orange or whatever. But this is a much more marked um, influence on our overall health. And I think it's really important if you take it back to nutrition and you look at what you're eating, um, people that, and I'm going to go to the next study, uh, that, that tend to eat a more meat-based or even carnivore-based diet, um, poo-poo the use of vitamin C and uh, certainly aren't getting very much vitamin C whatsoever. Some of them actually have started taking vitamin C as supplementation because they were getting so little. 
Um, but the importance of fruits and vegetables uh, in getting our daily vitamin C. And again, you know, I'm a big proponent of fruit eater, uh, of, of eating fruit, I'm sorry. Um, but you're getting about 100 milligrams per piece of fruit, uh, maybe 200 milligrams in some instances. So, you know, eating a lot of fruit, again, uh, colorful bell peppers, uh, cucumbers, apples, um, all have vitamin C. And we, we kind of trickle it in all day long if you're eating um, a plant-based diet, which is really, really good. But, and, and that's also going to support your gut microbiome. When you're sick, though, I'm, I'm still a proponent of, of bumping up the dose to increase things even, even more. So I thought that was an interesting study that, again, gave a different reason that vitamin C is very, very important in our, in our nutrition and how we can turn that back to plant-based eating to help improve that as well. Everybody reads a lot. I had a patient come in the office the other day, and she's always kind of asking me, like, about the alternatives. And, you know, I had a, in our class, we had a discussion, and they talked about, well, what about the bad vegetables? What about the poisonous vegetables? And, you know, people talk about nightshades, and they talk about lectins, and, you know, that is used to fuel the flame of why we shouldn't eat vegetables or why we shouldn't eat too many vegetables. And recently I came across a... And I don't believe in any of that, by the way. You know, my, my end response to those comments in class were, let's look at the blue zone people. I think if you look over, uh, over time, what works for people? Um, and, uh, you know, I think I mentioned it on the last, the last podcast, but, you know, the blue zone people living longest ate a lot of beans, ate a lot of nightshades. So, you know, put that to bed. But this thing about carnivores and, and meat, and again, this... Uh, particular comment was that carnivore diet now there's lots of studies supporting it and you know it's there's a lot of health benefits and they linked a study and so I was like I, I gotta follow I gotta go down the rabbit hole and I've got to read this study and so the study looking at uh, why a carnivore diet might be good is was linked was called behavioral characteristics and self-reported health status among 2029 adults consuming a carnivore diet so when you look at that, 2,029 adults, um, well, that seems like it must be a good study because it's certainly bigger than my bacteria study that I just looked at, so it must be great. But then you go back and read a little bit further, it's self-reported health status and behavioral uh, characteristics. And then it gets a little bit worse, um, and 67% males, as you would expect, eating uh, a carnivore diet. But um, and they ate red meat uh, daily, about eighty-five percent. And the study was uh, that the questionnaire was taken within six months of them eating a carnivore diet. So, again, um, you know, when you say studies report or studies suggest, and then you say, well, it's a big study, and uh, but then we go further, and it's it's just a questionnaire. So it was basically, you know, if you eat a carnivore diet, and that's because you've chosen to eat a carnivore diet, and how do you feel? Well, most of us are a little bit biased when we, you know, do something we want to do. We we don't really say it makes us feel worse because we're still doing it. And if you haven't done it very long, um, the side effects haven't really come in. And we know again all the side effects of a carnivore diet or eating a high meat diet don't necessarily occur right up front, um, but they, they was going to start to appear pretty quick uh, after that six-month period as far as 
all the negative consequences uh, that people can't tolerate, just the desire for some glucose for your brain, if nothing else, the constipation, um, and all the other things that go along with uh, prolonged lack of vegetables. So again, be, beware of, you know, people say, studies show, um, because if you start to actually click on that study, you might find that there's not even a study there. You might find something like this um, that was published in Current Develops. Uh, you know, it was a little tiny journal someplace in the middle of nowhere that, um, you know, somebody was able to publish something. So just because we can publish it doesn't mean that um, it's not supported financially by somebody has a vested interest in the results, pharmaceutical company, dairy industry, agriculture industry, um, industry in general. It doesn't mean that it's a well done study. Um, so you have to really look at things as opposed to just um, saying, well, there's a study out there that showed that eating the way I want to eat works. Then I'll turn back to vitamin D for just a little bit. Um, they looked at vitamin D in an elderly population uh, in a nursing home uh, and in Chicago, and they looked at an age, there was an aging study, and people had a low vitamin D level, had much more cognitive decline, and vitamin D is associated with neurosignaling and uh, neuron function. And it makes perfect sense as people get older, they don't go outside as much. Um, as I've said many times on this podcast, I'm a huge proponent of getting outside for your exercise or getting outside as much as possible. You know, um, our houses were meant to be shelter from the elements when it's bad, um, not to live permanently. And if you think about it, especially with COVID and lockdowns and shutdowns and fear of illnesses, people have become more shut in and spend more time in their homes, they're working from home, Zooming from home, avoiding contact with outside, uh, avoiding going outside, not getting outside to do different things, not traveling. And we're missing out on good old fashioned vitamin D from the sun, not to mention other great things from being out and, and exercising our immune system. And I think that we're seeing an uptake like we always do in the winter of infections and colds and flus, but I think a lot of it has to do with people just don't get outside enough or they don't have enough exposure. You know, if you know a teacher, uh, teachers rarely get ill um, after their first couple of years because they have this chronic exposure to kids with various, you know, illnesses that are exercising their immune systems. Um, so I, I think it's important to get outside. Um, and again, when you get outside and get a little vitamin D, that's going to improve your gut microbes, but now we're also finding that it's going to also improve your mental health and, and neuron function and, and mental acuity. You know, back in the day, they used to have things on, um, you know, rest homes called, you know, sun, sunrooms. People in Florida used to have sunrooms where they could still, if it was cool outside, go out and sit, sit in the sunroom uh, and get some sun. And, and the uh, some of the facilities way back when, you know, used to have porches where they would wheel people out so they could get sunlight. We need to go back to those things. Um, hospitals are the, the cleanest and the best the day they open, and thereafter they select for a microbe population that is extremely unhealthy. Just think how people would do so much better if it was on a sunny day they were able to go out and get some sun, wheel people out. 
I've actually over the years written order to take somebody outside for a little bit and take them around the building just to get a little sun and air exposure. But nothing better for the, um, the overall health and well-being of somebody is to get out into a, a sunshiny day. So I know it's December and I know I'm biased because I'm living in Florida and most of the days are, are sunny down here and it's our best time of the year. But you know, if you have a nice sunny day up north, um, you know, get out and get some sunshine, even if you're just getting it on your face and your hands and your arms a little bit. Uh, it's, it's great to get out. Um, it's great to get some fresh air. It's baking season in a lot of houses over Christmas time and uh, party and get together season. And one thing to be aware of this holiday season is aluminum. There's no good reason to have aluminum in your body. It doesn't do anything uh, good for you. Uh, it uh, goes to your brain and your heart and your liver, and it's toxic. It's associated with mental decline. And there was also a study linking uh, Alzheimer's with aluminum accumulation. So virtually any patient that has Alzheimer's has aluminum in their brain um, to an excessive amount compared to people that don't have Alzheimer's on some pathological studies. But I think everybody understands that aluminum is not good for you. The first thing that we think about when we think about aluminum is vaccines and the number of injections of vaccines over one life and the aluminum associated with it. Aluminum is used in vaccines as an adjuvant um, to basically tickle our immune system to make the immune reaction to a small dose of virus uh, more robust, especially in killed vaccine, killed virus vaccines. But there's also aluminum in baking uh, powder. So you can get aluminum-free baking powder, but a lot of people over the years, you know, you don't pay any attention. And if you've ever had a cookie that was over, uh, had too much baking powder in it, you can actually taste the metallic taste in it. Um, cans, soda cans in the, in the past, um, the longer something comes in contact with aluminum, the more aluminum that's leached out into it. Um, think foil. Think that, that pans that uh, people use uh, to bring things to cover dishes, uh, cover things with aluminum foil and then reheat them. Um, it's used as a preservative in a variety of different things. But the main thing I wanted to bring out over the holidays is, you know, look around and see how much aluminum you're exposed to. Um, you know, there's aluminum in deodorants, so you should try to get deodorants that are free of aluminum. But, uh, you know, we talk a lot about nutrition and what we eat is harming us, but also there's environmental exposures, and some of which we can choose uh, to, to try to avoid. The other thing, you know, BPA, which are estrogen stimulators that they're a liner of a lot of cans. So if you buy an organic can, you don't get BPA. Um, you know, you can do cheap, cheap plastic, single-use plastic is full of BPA. Cartons that uh, take out food lined with BPA and, and those certain derivatives and, and Teflon encoding things. So in this season of baking and going out and getting things quick and preserving things quick, look to see what you're exposed to and try to make a little bit of an effort to use products that... Um, you know, get back to the old-fashioned way. It's better to wash dishes than it is to have aluminum toxicity. So uh, think about think about those things. Uh, there's, you know, the chemical industry ha is a huge part of our daily lives. And you know, when we're not making, when since we're not using all these chemicals, 
for weapons so much uh, anymore than but a lot of these uh, the the chemicals that are used on food and clothing uh, and to make different products were once used in in making weapons and so this the chemical industry is again invaded into our daily lives and it's everywhere and you can drive yourself crazy trying to avoid um, some of these toxins but some of the simple ones like you know aluminum um, you know, you can really look out for, and it does have some consequences over time. And I think the exposure is, is so high when you think about, you know, how often do you go out and eat fast foods? You know, how often are things wrapped and heated in aluminum foil? And, um, so, so keep an eye out. If you're doing Christmas baking this year, um, you know, there's vegan Christmas baking and then there's plant-based Christmas baking and it, you know, it, it keeps, um, you know, narrowing the field of what what you can do and what you can't do. But, um, you know, look to gradually change your recipes and make them more and more healthy. I know over the span of my uh, being plant-based, being vegan, then plant-based, um, my cooking changed. You know, early on, I used oil, uh, we used some vegan butter, some vegan, vegan alternatives, and then gradually those, those went away, and then we eliminated oil. Um, so wherever you are in, in your journey of becoming plant-based or more healthy, start to look at your baking recipes this Christmas, and you can make them a little better. Most of the time when things call for a sweetener, you can use a lot less. You can use maple syrup um, to, to instead of processed table sugar maple syrup is still high calorie but you can again taste things and so that you can back off on on some of the sweeteners that you're using don't forget about the baking powder again you know go aluminum free um, a lot of times you can you know eliminate or use much less sodium remember that baking uh, baking soda contains sodium so that you can get a salt load in in desserts as well as um, the main dish. So if you're watching your sodium or you see your blood pressure rise over Christmas, you got to look at uh, you know what kind of baked goods you're getting into. You can also turn a blind eye, right? Because you can't really see the ingredients and, and you hope that, uh, or you can do wishful thinking that somebody made something without um, you know butter or eggs, but chances are if it came from a bakery or it came from somebody's house that's not plant-based, they're going to use eggs and butter. And if you ever have baked, uh, and or or you or if you don't bake and you don't know what's in this stuff, I mean, most of the time, you know, the traditional cookies have a stick of butter and a cup of sugar. So I mean, it's really, they're really nasty stuff. And not only from a carb standpoint, but again, a stick of butter is is a lot of fat. So most pastries are just as much fat as they are carbohydrate. So don't fool yourself, uh, you know, into thinking that um, you know something is one way or another worse or better for you the other thing is you know that's proposed is nut flours almond flour um, which is just almonds ground up so now you have an even higher fat content of the flour so beware of that beware of gluten-free things which tend to have more oil in them so I'm not trying to be a downer over the holiday season, but you have to watch because you can, you know, change those taste buds, change those gut microbes really quick when you start down the road of a little of this and a little of that. And before you know it, you know, you're having to backpedal uh, to try to get things back under control. If you're a diabetic, eating something with high in fat is going to really make 
the glucose is, um, you know, much worse. So be, beware of what's, what's going on. If it does happen to you, uh, and or you decided to put off your plant-based journey or share your plant-based journey with anybody until the first of the year, Addie Delaney Meinrich, my registered dietitian, and I are doing a uh, Build Your Health Challenge beginning in January. And so I've asked Addie to come on and talk a little bit uh, here on the podcast uh, about the uh, January challenge that we're offering. You can go to our website and sign up. Uh, it's uh, every day of uh, the month of January. You'll get an email from us, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it. And I hope that you'll give plant-based nutrition uh, and movement a chance uh, the first part of January. So if you need a kickstart, if you're just having a little trouble getting where you want in your plant-based nutrition, you want to try some new health habits, or you want to gift this to somebody that you'd like to get a little bit more healthy, this is a great way to start because it's going to be nice and gentle. And um, we're hoping to have some really good changes in people uh, by the end of January. So without further ado, I'll have Addie come on and we'll talk about it. Welcome, Addie Delaney Meinrich, our favorite registered dietitian. How are you today? Fabulous. Hello and hello, everyone. Uh, you went to your first holiday party today with Caleb. And what did you take? I did. I, uh, I took homemade plant-based cookies. So uh, we have several food allergies um, in his class. Then obviously we are plant-based. So uh, instead of buying the cookie tray, we made them at home last night and they were devoured. So it was great. <laughs> I saw gingerbread cookies or gingerman's. Uh, yeah, well, they weren't gingerbread. They, we did sugar cookies that were cut into the shapes of gingerbread, um, chocolate chips, and we did some brownies. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it was very yummy. Everybody loved them. Nut-free, egg-free, dairy-free. And, and nobody said, where's the butter? So how did you sweeten the cookies? Uh, we did some maple syrup and um, coconut sugar in some, and then... Um, you know, egg replacement was the flaxseed and then, um, I did applesauce in the brownies. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. We are having our membership holiday party potluck tomorrow here, and I am going to try to make a Christmas tree board. And I'm not going to say what that board is called because I get tongue tied every time I do the board. A charcuterie board. Charcuterie board. That's it. I see. There's a. There was a uh, Etsy thing about a sh had a shark on it, and for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why they had a shark on it. And then it's because nobody can say charcuterie. <laughs> so it's probably my West Virginia inability to say any kind of French leaning words, perhaps. And I don't know if it's not French. You know, forgive me if that's you know. But anyway, so I'm going to do. Uh, a combination of a uh, spinach dip uh, made with tofu and spinach and carrots and water chestnuts. And I'm going to have some daikon radish as garland on there. I, I made the deli slices with black bean and uh, wheat gluten, blackberries. Uh, I'm going to have... Um, I did make a cheese ball with uh, some nutritional leads and some cashews, and uh, I may make that pimento dip to stick on that, and then have um, the leaves will be a combination of zucchini 
um, strips. We'll have some cucumber rolls and some carrot rolls and sprouts. Nice. So we'll see how that looks. Photos, photos to come. If I can get it all together and make it stay all together. Wonderful. Wonderful. Tis the season. Tis the season. And speaking of the season, it is eating season. And we've just talked about eating. But often the first of the year is all about getting on board and making some changes, some New Year's resolution, get healthy. And so we are going to offer a Build Your Health program this January for 31 days of emails from you and I. And um, alternating mobility and nutritional type challenges. Yes, and you will be getting daily emails, as the doc said, in addition to access to our online content of our membership. So for 31 days, starting January 1st, we will take you along with something new to introduce to your nutrition and wellness routine. And this would be great for anybody who, one, is interested in maybe becoming plant-based for their nutrition, um, getting a little bit better in terms of their routine with their health. So brand new folks, but also it would be really good for those looking to just hone in or kind of get back on track. So maybe you're kind of in a rut and rhythm and routine, but you'd like to amp things up a bit and need a bit of a reset. I think this would be great for you too. Yeah. And we're going to do it. um, So 31 days, all additive. So day one, plus two, day one, two, three, day one, two, three, four, all the way through 31. So each day is not a huge challenge, but it is a challenge. And we're hoping it, we're, we're going to add it on to something that you already, almost everybody already does on a daily basis so that it's not a big change or upheaval in your life. If you're the only one doing it, certainly you can pull it off. Um, you could make it a family fair, um, like you said, even if you're already plant-based, this might be a way to make it better, up your game a little bit, because we're going to do some challenges, even though we're going to make some very simple suggestions either each day. We're also going to have a little bit of a discussion on, you know, how you might improve your plant-based game. So we all have we all have a journey and we all progress uh, at different at different speeds. So we're we're going to meet people where they are, hopefully. And even if you're not plant-based, even if you don't really want to be plant-based completely, I think that this program would help you to get more fruits and vegetables, which most everybody agrees is a good thing. I think it's going to be good to bring some intentionality to to your health. So exactly like you said, even if you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not looking to go cold turkey plant-based here, um, but you know, don't really have a direction with your health right now. This is going to put some direction to your routine, some direction to the goals you might have. But there's also something very powerful when you are trying to make a change to maybe a very large health goal for yourself to break it down into smaller steps. And when you achieve those smaller goals, it is very positive and it actually propels you forward to keep wanting to do more versus just, okay, I got to lose 10 pounds in a week. Well, it's kind of unattainable, unrealistic you don't make that people get very discouraged. So setting small goals isn't taking the easy way out. It's actually setting you up for success. So let us give you your first 31. Yep. And it's going to be 31. And if we just gave you a list of 31 things to do tomorrow, nobody would do them. 
But the way we're going to set this up, I think that everybody can do all 31 by January 31st. So I'm really looking forward to it. We've had a lot of people sign up. It's a great stocking stuffer or gift for someone that you think might want to, you know, make a change. So we look forward to it and it introduces people to the practice uh, a little bit to see what we're doing. Yeah, you get a sneak peek into our online content. So, um, you know, as part of the practice, no matter what, no matter what level you are, because we do have a variety of levels in person, online, then just nutrition coaching, um, they all have access to our online content. So you will get a sneak peek into the the backstage area of what we offer. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if people like it and want to continue and sign up for a membership after they definitely have that option. Um, but I think this would be a great, great kickstart. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll yeah. be a, a, a lot of fun. Certainly keeps us out of trouble the last couple of weeks of December, trying to get all this ready to roll, but, um, it'll be good. It'll be good. No, it'll be fantastic. 2023, which sounds crazy. Yes. But it'll be good. It'll be good. And I look forward to seeing you and Caleb and Nathan, December 26th. Yes. So that'll be good. After Santa has arrived in Houston, then yeah. he just might make an appearance in Port Charlotte, Florida. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it has been so much fun. You know, Caleb's in that age where everything this year he's noticing, he's kind of grasping. And I am happy to report we did not cry or scream at Santa. We actually acted like we were best friends with Santa. So I was in shock. It's going well, though. I um, mean, he's, he's doing good. We have the nativity up and he's all into it. Jesus' birthday. And we're very excited. I think he's pretty sure there's going to be cake. So I may have to make that. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cake would Jesus like? <laughs> I'm sure think, chocolate in it, probably. I, I would. I would think so. I'm sure. And you are completing Dead Zimber. Yes, yes. So um, Sornex is an American-made weightlifting equipment company, um, USA Steel, all the good things. And they put on two challenges a year. Um, And if you are into strength training out there, uh, you may want to look them up on Instagram. They have something called Squattober, which is their total body programs, but... Um, and they're for free on Instagram. Uh, but at the end, it is a maxing of your squat. And then in December, they have dead December, which is more focused on preparing you for a deadlift in or a max in your deadlift at the end of the month. So uh, we will have to get creative while traveling a few times this month. Nathan's already talking about where are we going to get to a gym? Um, but I'm sure we'll figure it out or find something for heavy for him to pick up. But um <laughs> No. So that's been fun too, um, to kind of, I'm more into my, my strength training season. I kind of came out of my running season. I kind of cycle through throughout the year. So that's been a lot of fun. And then you just had a race for your December race and you got a, your, your ultras, your, your long season kicks up here in the spring in 2023. We are just, yeah, it's uh, the last week of uh, taking it easy is occurring right now because we have to start going the other direction and ramp it up for a 50 miler in February. So um, in the past, it's been kind of cool in December and February. So we'll get to try on some of our warm gear and see how it is spending the day outside in, in the cool. It's good training for 
future 50 miler. So we have a yeah, 50 miler in February. And then in March, we have our um, Treasure Coast Marathon in Stewart, Florida. And then back to Texas for the 50 miler. Might even turn into 100K. We'll see. And then on from there. So surprise, surprise, we are also going to try to enter the lottery for the Leadville 50 mile race. And we, I think that's in January, we enter the lottery. So we'll see how that goes. Nice. Um, yep. We'll practice running around with a clothespin on my nose so I can get used to altitude training. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's nice to hear from you and um, it's going to be great fun and we'll go from yeah. there. Yes, join us for your first 31 days of the new year. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody. All right, so there you have it. So you can uh, go on over to drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y, and sign up for our Build Your Health in January. Check out the website. You can become a full member. We have the multiple levels, do online memberships uh, for people all over the country. Certainly email me if you've been a long-time listener, jamie at drdelaney.com, J-A-M-I at drdelaney.com. And I'd like to get you on the little shout-out onto the podcast as we near our millionth download. I'll make sure I let you know where that is. Um, probably do one more podcast before uh, Christmas, so keep it up. Um, happy shopping, happy baking, enjoy your friends, get outside, keep your exercise going, and talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.